Well, in ARR, we are now at uh, uh, 27 million euros. And uh, in turnover, I think we'll get to 24 million, maybe. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mikhail Tuneberg. He's the Supermetrics founder and CEO. Mikhail, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes. So you, you come back on last year in 2019, and I'm just falling in love. I'm going, oh, he starts in 2010. He bootstraps. He has a great mousetrap with Google Sheets. He's passed $12 million in revenue. This is great. And then I get news this year. He'll raise us $40 bucks. What changed? What, where was the breaking point where I said, you know what? I should go down the VC route for this thing. Let's go raise capital. Well, our numbers have been pretty awesome lately, as you know. And, and there was a lot of inbound interest from VCs, you know, top names from all over the world. So I, I just figured it's probably a good time to, to raise some money. Um, so that's, that was the kind of reason why I started thinking about that. And, and uh, to be honest, part of that was secondary. So I also so- sold some shares. So it's, it's a company. What, what percent, like, was it like a 50-50 sort of thing? What percent of the 40 million was secondary, would you say? Oh, uh, we can't uh, reveal that to you. Not to. But it, who, who, le- who, who led the round? That was Highland Europe. Okay. And for founders that don't understand what secondary means, can you explain what that means for them? So that is when I sell my shares. So. The money doesn't go to the company, but it goes to me. So it was me and, and, and some early employees uh, selling a small part of their yeah. stakes. Of course, we yeah. still have a major stake in the company. The reason I wanted you to explain that is a lot of people don't realize this is an option to create a sort of exit without actually selling the whole company. It's a great way to take chips off the table. Uh, you know, you've been doing this since 2010, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and and let's go through some of the back history here. For people that missed your last interview with me, what did the product start out as back in 2010? It was a simple Excel uh, add-on to fetch Google Analytics data into Excel to automate that data fetching, which many people were doing manually back then. So with my script, you could get that data automatically into Excel. And then when did you start playing in the Google app exchange with Google spreadsheets? 
I did that in 2014. I had a pretty okay business with the Excel product uh, back then. And then Google reached out to me because I had some relationship with, with them already because Google Analytics was a data source for me. So some some people from Google reached out and, and they said that they are planning to launch this uh, Google Sheets add-on gallery and, and asked if mm-hmm. I want, would want, want to be one of the first add-ons to be featured in that gallery. And and guess what? Actually, I, I said no to them. I, I said, no, I'm not, not too interested in that. So uh, like people don't pay for Google Sheets. Uh, I don't think you can make money there. And then I just you know, didn't, didn't think that's it's a good opportunity. But then I was uh, fortunate because then they a few weeks later they came back to me and said, "Are you, are you seriously not interested?" And then I, I said, oh, "Okay, I can I can do something." <laughs> and then I, I created this Google Sheets add-on, and, and then then they released that gallery in uh, 2014. And then I was there among just a you know couple of dozen different uh, Google Sheets add-ons, and the other add-ons weren't, were not really competitive to, to to mine, so mine was pretty much the or well, it was the and only one. Only one that can you, get the cross-platform marketing data into Google Sheets. Can you quantify how important it was for you to be one of those featured apps when they launched that in terms of maybe new users that year? Or what sort of spike did you see, if any? I don't have the numbers right now, but it, it, it was really, really important, of course, getting that first mover advantage in that marketplace, which has since grown to be, be quite, quite a big one. So. Uh, now there are hun- hundreds of different add-ons for Google Sheets, and, and for any new entrant, it's very difficult to get to the top anymore and gain traction there. Um, but back then, when I started, there were maybe twenty, so it was very different. And, and, and like I said, the other add-ons were, were not even competitive with mine, so I was pretty much having that market for myself only for for a very long time. When you look at historically, what's driven the most growth for you? Would it be a fair statement to say that was your top growth driver over the past decade? I think that was like a culminate, the point where the turning point for the company, where I went from this one man, you know, slowly growing Excel business into you know a growth rocket. But then there was another turning point, but that's maybe even been more crucial, which is when Google released the Google Data Studio uh, connector gallery, so you can bring your marketing data from non-Google sources like Facebook ads, Twitter ads, and so on into Google Data Studio. And there, we were also the first company that they asked to develop these uh, connectors. And we got a really good first mover advantage also in that market. What year was that? 2017. 2017. Okay. And can you quantify this? When did, when did you... You said this was a one-man show for a while. When did you hire... What year did you hire your first employee? 2015. Oh, wow. So between 2010 and 2015, it was all you. Yeah. And what before you made that first hire, give me a sense of scale in 2015. What was revenue then? I think it was around 300K. Okay. So great life, obviously. You seem like a guy that is, you know how to be scrappy. You can live a good life off 300K. What made you decide to make that first hire? Well, the Google Sheets add-on had taken off really well, and, and I got a lot of new customers, and I was struggling to, you know, handle all of that. Like, you know, I was trying to develop the product, but I also handled all of the customer service, um, then you know, all the marketing, sales that I needed to do. I, I didn't really spend too much time on the other of those, but but still, I, I was uh, having my my hands quite quite busy. So I figured maybe it's it's good time to start hiring, and of course, the revenue had come to the point where I, I could. Do that quite safely. Of course, here in Finland, 
when you hire a person, you're kind of tied to that person. It's not very easy to get, get rid of the person. So I also wanted to be sure that I had enough uh, buffer there. That even if things don't go that well, I can, you know, keep paying that person's salary. Yep, that's that's that makes a lot of sense. Now, did you go from three hundred grand in twenty fifteen? Did you break a million dollars in twenty sixteen? Um, I. Or do you remember what year you broke a million? I can't, can't check. Uh, let me see. He's got his dashboard. He's cranking up the dashboards, folks. We can hear it. We can hear the server fans running. So the total turnover was 1.6 million in 2016. And I think 2015, it was like maybe uh, 600K. Um, since you have the chart open, what was it before 2015 and 2014? Uh, well, this one always shows the last four years. So, I... okay, what was 2017 then? Uh, the official figure is 2.2 million, but there we did some adjustment in, in uh, bookkeeping uh, methodology. So it was really yeah. more like uh, three million. And what do you think you'll finish here with in 2020? Uh, well, in ARR we are now at uh, uh, 27 million euros and. Uh, in turnover, I think we'll get to 24 million, maybe. What, what do you mean by that 27 versus 34? So the run rate is, is uh, 27. So if you multiply uh, you know, September MRR by 12, then we are at uh, 27 million run rate. But of course, uh, if you look at the whole year's total revenue, that's like maybe 24 million. And that's because you are obviously you were smaller in the earlier years if you're just adding up cash collected. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so run rate wise, again, nice growth here. Where are you getting all this growth from? Is it still mainly the app exchanges? Yeah, those are major factors for sure. The, the Google Sheets add on, the Google Data Studio connectors, they are still going really strong. But of course, we are diversifying as well or building on top of that, that good foundation. So we are putting a lot of effort into our enterprise products. And that means uh, data warehousing. So you can set up a marketing data warehouse with our, our, our system. It's very easy to get all of your marketing data into a data warehouse like Snowflake or Google BigQuery. And then you can run all, yeah. of, your, all of your reporting on top of that data warehouse. And so, Mikhail, how many customers are paying you today? We have, in total, around 15,000 customers. But then... Half of these are marketing agencies. And if you look at the like, end clients behind these agencies, then we are approaching a million companies using uh, our tools. Yep. Yep. And can you, just so we can understand growth, if you think you'll break this year with about 27 a million in terms of euros, in terms of run rate, where were you at in terms of run rate exactly a year ago? I'll have to uh, check that number for you. Sure, sure. Yeah, take your time. So at the end of last year, we were at uh, 17.9 million. Okay, so about 21 million United States dollars. So you basically, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, you went from essentially a $2.5 million run rate in 2017 to 10xing that to about a $27 million run rate in 2019. Is that accurate? Can you repeat that? Sorry, I was looking at this. Sure. Yeah, you know, you went from about three million in terms of run rate in 2017, right? Or, or call it tw sorry, 2.5 million run rate in 2017 
to 10xing that in 2019 when you broke about 25 million United States dollars in terms of run rate. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah something like that, yes. Yeah. The, the, I mean, can you try and decode that for us? It can't all just be sort of accidental, an app store placement in the Google Data Studio app exchange. You, you, this was intentional. You're an engineer. You plan this sort of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not an engineer, but... but <laughs> you're, not an, you're not an engineer? No, no, I'm not. No. Who coded the first version? Me. I, I, I'm a self-taught. Uh, uh, well, come on. Those are the best kinds of enge- those are the best kinds of engineers, Mikael. You self-taught. Uh, actually, I studied social sciences. I, I have no clue what I was doing when I started coding that, that first product. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. um, I, I guess I now I could almost call myself an engineer. I, I think I've learned something along this 10-year uh, this, uh, journey. I I would agree. Yeah, but but so what what drove our growth? I, I think a lot of things. So so um, obviously we've been uh, uh, very successful with, with our marketing efforts. I think we're very well known. We do a lot of uh, content that is producing a lot of inbound uh, leads for us all the time. We have a very successful affiliate program. Uh, tell me about the tell me about the tell me about the affiliate program. How does it work? What commission do you pay out? The details, I'm not the best person to, to go into all of those. I, I think it's 20% uh, for most affiliates, and then there, we may have some, some tiers on, on, on the best performing ones. And those include all the marketing agencies that are signed up for you? You pay them affiliate fee? Yeah, some of those, yes. Yeah, yeah. And is that 20% paid in perpetuity as long as the customer keeps paying, or is it only for the first year? It used to be in perpetuity, but... I think there's now a limit. I don't remember exactly how, how long that limit is. I think it's more than a year. Talk to me about your content strategy right now. Do you run this internally or have you hired an agency to do it for you? We do it internally. So we have a really good team uh, to handle that. Of course, we do use uh, kind of uh, outside writers to, to produce content, but we coordinate all of that internally. So there are freelancers, uh, influencers in the field who write, write content for us. Uh, okay, got it. And how do you, I mean, how do you discover new keywords you want to go after and target? That I can't answer. I'm not that hands-on in, uh, in that. What year would you say you started investing aggressively in content marketing? That would be 2016 when I hired the first uh, marketing person in the company. And how many people are on the team today full-time? The marketing team, I think, uh, maybe 15 about total team, the total team, yeah. Oh, total is is five. So, so the marketing team is fifteen, and the whole company is uh, hundred and thirty or so. One third. I mean, that's that's almost three times what you told me when you came on last, which was about eighteen months ago. So, obviously, a lot of a lot of growth there. How many of the one hundred thirty are engineers? Good question. Let me uh, look that up here. What tool do you use to manage all your people? What are you looking at right now? We have something called Hi Bob. Hi Bob, creative name. Yeah, I think it's a pretty new new tool for this. Uh, let me see where I can actually find that. A range is fine too, Mikhail. Uh, it's engineering is uh, around forty people. Around 40. And do you have, I mean, your price point, I believe, is fairly low. Do you have quota carrying sales reps or no? We do. So we started building out the sales operation two years ago. Before that, it was fully uh, self-serve. 
but we've been aggressively expanding the sales team uh, as we, are, we have been pushing the enterprise product offering as well that I just described to you. And uh, now we have in the uh, sales team also uh, around 40 people. So there's 40. Are there how many people actually carry a quota? About 40? Almost. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. How do you, when you make that first, mar- that first sale tire back two, three years ago, what do you set their quota at? How'd you decide? Um, I can't actually remember. I, I, I think I, I was not familiar with, you know, sales uh, compensation at all, let's say. So uh, I think he, he could, uh, you know, maybe try, try that uh, himself because I, I was not very uh, well um, educated in that. No problem. Hey, before, bef- before we wrap up here, just last few questions. So obviously you raised 40 million bucks. You didn't need to, correct? You were profitable for that? We've always. Are you burning? Are you burning cash now today to invest or are you still profitable even after the raise? We are still profitable, but we are looking for okay. ways to, to invest that cash uh, in a sensible way, of course. Yep. Would you look at acquiring other companies that are in the app exchanges and data studio? Yes, we are looking at various options of acquiring companies. So data mm-hmm. studio connectors, competitors there, of course, it's one, one area, but there are many other of companies that we, we, we could it's, it's it's great to do great to do a raise like this where you're still profitable afterwards and there was a secondary option for all the early employees to get some liquidity including yourself now you didn't need the capital so i assume you had most of the leverage when you were negotiating this what valuation were you able to negotiate a range is fine if you can't be specific well I think it would have been super interesting to see what the valuation would have been without COVID because we were starting this from a real position of strength. Uh, we started the process, actually, we could have started the process like late, late last year. We had all the investors lined up or everyone was contacting us. Our numbers were super good. But then I didn't have a CFO on board, so I decided I need to wait for the CFO to join to drive the process that I can't, can't handle the process without. So I waited till uh, I think mid uh, February for the CFO to, to come on on board, and then we started the process. And then, of of course, like COVID hit, like right in the middle of the process. And then uh, I don't think COVID had hit, has hit as that bad as as many other com- companies and many of our competitors. But still, of course, there was a hit, and our, our numbers were not that stellar anymore. Uh, and that came at the worst possible time when we were in the in the negotiation about the the valuation and and. I think we didn't get quite the, quite the best deal that we would have gotten, and I actually I thought about maybe you know we should just you know cancel it and, and do it do it again a bit later when when the situation has you know improved. But then that would have been just so big a distraction for me from running the business. So I decided maybe just better to do it like this. It's not the optimal deal, but it's not a bad deal either. So it was a decent deal, um, and it's uh, the valuation is is uh, you know. Let's say between two hundred and five hundred million. And pre-COVID, what do you think the valuation could have been that you got? I think we lost at least at least fifty million, if if not a hundred million in valuation. Yeah. So, so I mean, is it fair to say you were, you were looking at something closer to like a five hundred million dollar valuation pre-COVID, and because of COVID, you had to come a little under that. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. So the investors that that 
were staying in the process, they were like more hesitant to, to uh, you know, promise a good valuation. And then also a lot of investors just dropped out because they were having problems with other companies in their portfolio. Also, yeah. they couldn't come to meet us uh, physically. And they said, you know, they never do deals without, without a physical meeting. Um, and there was just so much uncertainty that, that a lot of investors actually then dropped out. Well, Mikhail, your story continues. It's a lot of fun watching you. I appreciate you making time. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. I think I told you this already. Uh, <laughs> you did, but I want to. I want to see if you say the same thing or not. Well, I, I can say a more recent one. I think uh, Bad Blood was was awesome. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Not really. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building super metrics besides your own? I think I said, said Google Sheets last time, but it's still... Sounds like, sounds like that's a good answer. Slack as well. <laughs> Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Eight, usually. And situation, married, single kids? Married with uh, three kids. Three kids, man, you're busy. And how old are you? I'm 40. 40 years old. Last question. What do you wish you knew when you were 20? Pardon? What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? What I wish I knew. When you were 20? I guess that I, I'll be successful in the end. I was you know, stressing out if I, I can you know, manage to do anything with my career. <laughs> Guys, supermetrics.com launched in 2010. It was a one-man show through 2015. Grew to about caught $600,000 in sales before making his first hire in 2016. They integrated with a Google Sheets sort of exchange that drove extra growth. They broke $1.6 million in revenue. Today, folks doing over $32 million USD in terms of run rate. Now looking at enterprise products, they just closed a $40 million round of financing. A portion of that was secondary. Valuation between $200 and $500 million. Scaling the team, 130 people as they look again to continue scaling into this cohort, serving again a big chunk of marketing agencies, 15,000 customers total. Mikhail, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks.